This is Karen Hunter, and welcome to The Hub. We welcome the one and only Tyler Merita. What is up? Karen on a Monday. How are you? What's good? What's good? What's good? I'm real good. Let me tell you, I had somebody reach out to me on social media a few hours ago, and this is all the message said to me. I love listening to you and Karen on the Karen Hunter show. That's all she said. I said, I'll be on today. You tuning in? She said, you better believe it. So shout out. You know who you are. Okay. Well, shout out to everybody. Shoot. You know, I'm grateful. Listen, um, this thing right here doesn't have to be a thing. It's only a thing because people made a decision. And uh, I'm eternally grateful for everybody that tuned in to 126 eight years ago or five years ago or five minutes ago. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome. Everybody that joined Nubia. Thank you. Welcome to narrative people. Cause y'all know what it is. If you know, you know, um, before we get into the, the stories of the day, uh, this will be our last, uh, day talking to each other before the holidays, you and I, and I just, yeah. I don't, don't know. I mean, of course I listened to your books. So I know some things about your life, but are there special merit traditions for the holiday, especially somebody who has survived or is surviving as kicking cancer's ass as you are every single yeah. day you get up. Talk to me about what you do leading in to the new year. So I left my parents' house to go to college in 1994 and every single year, no matter where I am in the world, I always make it back to Las Vegas, Nevada, where my mom and dad are right now. And every Christmas, you know, we do all the things. We're awake up on Christmas morning and open presents, you know, being the PJs, all of that. For years and years, we used to do this Christmas Eve party where my mom would have me sit on the stairs and talk to all the neighborhood kids and friends and tell them the birth of Jesus to everybody. Cause she was like, look, for some of these kids, these are the only, this is the only time they'll ever hear this story. And she wasn't wrong. The very first time Karen, I ever told the story sitting on the stairs, I said to one of the kids, so I had, I gave out um, candy canes as a gift for people answering the questions. Cause I'd make it trivia. Right. And so I was explaining the candy cane and how the red in the candy cane is for the blood of Christ. And this little kid was like, I didn't know that. And I said, well, do you know how Jesus died? And this kid raised his hand and said, Uncle Tata, I do, I do. I know how Jesus died. And I said, what's that, Jordan? He said, by drive-by. And that's when I realized I need to to, to help these kids understand a little bit of history. (laughs) I feel like there's a gospel song in there somewhere. Jesus Jesus died in a drive-by. I, I, I think Shirley Caesar should work on that as in the next Christmas song, Jesus in a drive-by. And it was, it was Herod and them and them horrible ass uh, people in his uh, community that rather have a murderer than Jesus released from the cross. And it could be Jesus. It, it was a drive-by. Right. Well, they could work that out. I see. I see. Shirley, C- Shirley, Shirley Caesar could sell it. So every year I go home, Jordan, Jordan is an adult now. He has his own kids. And to this day, we joke to him about, him talking about Jesus being killed in the drive-by. All that to say, I have all the traditions and they all circular circulate around being home in Las Vegas with family. I love it. I love it. Now, are you a resolution type of dude? Are you a goal setting right now, this time of year, heading into the, the new year? Are you setting goals? It's so funny you asked me that because I was just thinking about this. 
I don't necessarily set resolutions, but I do get very pensive like on New Year's. Like I get really deep into my thoughts. And something that I do every year is probably around the 30th or 31st, I'll make a video on my phone, right? And I'll talk to the phone like to myself and I'll say, Tyler, this is where you are right now. And I want you to remember this moment. I want you to remember what you're feeling. I want you to remember what you're going through. In theory, Karen, the idea is to record that so a year from now I can look back and watch that. But I never have the guts to go back and watch that thing from a year ago. I never have. Every single time I've made so it. So do you I never... delete them? What do you do with the videos? No, they're on my phone. Like I can legit go back and probably watch six years worth now. But do that. I demand that you do that. I feel like I need to. What's the point? I mean, I I I do every year. I I journal i don't journal well i do journal let me just say it is journaling even though i think journaling is for for other people like you know when i think of journaling i think of like you know i think of you know the, i don't think of us you know what i'm saying i, I hear you i hear you it's for other so, people so okay. so so i set my intention but i'm, I'm detailed too because i feel like when you ask seek and knock you should be very specific about the mm -hmm. things that you're asking seeking and knocking for right so so i'm very detailed and like not just I'm going to save, but I'm going to save and here's how, and this is where I'm going to invest. Sure. Like I mapped out four stocks that I'm going to invest in. And then I came up with the brilliant idea because the stock market is trash right now. Oh, I could set market limits now for some ridiculously low amount, you hmm. know, and then I have the yeah. whole 12 months. Cause you know, it's going to be some horrible crash between now and next January. Right. Well, let me do it now and just let it ride. Let it ride. Right. Market limits. Do do limits. Put the price in. Put how many shares, and then I don't have to think about it and watch the market every day and give myself you know agita and anxiety and just know that I'm collecting these stocks for not now for ten years from now and this is how many shares I want in each sure, of these sure. positions and this is what they're going to yield because I have a I have a you know a dividend yield goal for the year I want you know but that requires again some deep dive so like I'm very specific about the things that I want to accomplish but I'm also reasonable like these are things that I absolutely can accomplish but now I'm gonna put sure, it on what? automatic what year were you when you really kind of delved in on how to deal with your money that kind of way? Like, how old are you? Do you remember? Yesterday. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I, so I, I have several iterations of that. You know, uh, in my sure. 20s, I got handed a million dollars from a group of uh, investors on Bear Stearns. And they just gave me, a you know, 10 of them gave me $100,000 each and put it in my bank account to do whatever I wanted sure. with no direction. I was like, who gives a 20 something year old? Okay. Well, you know, but you, in your twenties, you think, you know, you think, you know, right. so you're like, yeah, yeah, I'm a mogul. I'm gonna, yeah, yeah. sure. Here's $250,000 for a website here. Let me hire all of these people and give them benefits. And you know, I, right. I didn't know whether they could do the job and apparently they couldn't, they waited for me, which is something I want to uh -huh. talk about. You know, I'm like, this is your area, make it work. And then it was like, nothing was happening and i was like damn mm. okay this is interesting who would somebody handed me a job to do and i could do whatever i wanted in it i would rock that out but no nah, what, what are we doing today i was like oh okay so i learned early not everybody's necessarily wired to mm. be on their own to do things which we're going to talk about with kindred but so i lost all of that came back invested in some other businesses lost came back and the last time that I got 
put on my ass, uh, I was like, this will never happen again. So oh. then I went on it. So it was maybe my late thirties where I'd like read okay. every book. I could like I sure. reread Napoleon Hill, read all the Susie Orman, read all the David David uh Bach, read read everything I could get my hands on automatic millionaire, millionaire next door. I'm like, okay, sure. all right. But then it was never really about money. It was about my relation. You know, what is it that I want? Because it's not money. Mm. I, I'm not driven by money. I realize that too. So that's another thing. Is it the money or is it the security? Is it the money or right. is it the power to be able to be free? Is it the freedom or is it the money? It's the freedom. So wow. can I manifest the freedom without having Yes, you can. You can be free with being a thousand air <laughs> I promise you you know you don't sure. need million everyone thinks I need 10 million dollars if you ask people what their number is most people don't know how much they need to walk away from their job and never have to work again and it's not right. millions if you are very strategic so strategic also means paying off your mortgage no car payment uh, Biggie told us that condo pay for you know except for the person right. you know locked up in the Brooklyn basement I followed that, you know, I ain't locked nobody up in the Brooklyn basement, but I'm like, okay. Right. And then I had a conversation with Chris. Uh, do we talk about, yeah, we could still talk about him. Uh, the, the booming voice. I'm looking behind me cause I usually have a bunch of his books, but you know, he was from the Dave Ramsey's camp uh, and is not any longer in that camp, but he has been on the show multiple times at a town hall with him. And he was like, why do you have a mortgage within mortgages? Mm-hmm. Death, death. Death is in the word morte, which, you know, it's like, it's right there right. for right. 30 years. You're going to be locked to something and they could any point in time could be like, run me my check and you don't have it. They could take your, I was like, you know what? That's going to be my goal. So that became a goal, like pay off. Cause sure. then, then sure. you have, what do you, what's your monthly nut for? Mostly, most of it is housing. Most of it right. is rent or mortgage, right? And insurance and all the things, taxes and all the things that go with it. But if you don't have that, then you're like really free. So that, that's been kind of the journey that I've been on. And then acquiring wow. real estate and then paying off the real estate and selling real estate. I'll tell you what's, what's beautiful and I think should be the, a big moral of the story that I think we don't look at in the big picture is, is that you have been betting on yourself for a long time. You've been betting on yourself for a really long time. And I think sometimes that when we do that, um, we don't even realize that that's what's happening, right? Because we're just living life. But somewhere in your 20s, you you put a bet on yourself and no matter how it went, went up and down or how, you know, where it was, you continued with that continued, continued bet. And I know there's individuals that are listening right now who have been like, God, I hope I can get there. I want to get there. I want to be there. And maybe even feel like they passed the age where they can't do that anymore. But I think you're making a very strong point on you don't even know the number of what that is for you to be able to do that. Right. And it's and it's really more of I, I really do believe it's a heart thing more than it is anything else. And, and yet you have to have that security. Don't get me wrong. Like, don't I ain't trying to be like, go quit your job right now. But you, you just talk through how you had to do you had to read. You had to learn. You had to educate. So if you're going to bet on yourself, bet, but go in there smart. Yeah. And it also builds a certain kind of muscle, which I want to talk with you about. I just finished the um, Hulu series Kindred. Now I read the book, Octavia Butler, the great Octavia Butler. I remember throwing the, my Kindle across the room at something, not literally because I, I ain't trying to break my Kindle, but uh, <laughs> I was mad reading the book. So I was mm-hmm. like, am I going to be mad? Cause I, I ain't still finished. I ain't still finished emancipation. I'm just like, 
All right, I'm gonna go in for ten minutes. Okay, five. Okay, whew. Right. All right, I'm gonna go back, but I I haven't gone back yet. Yeah, I'm like ten minutes in and I can't go, go back. So then I started kin Kendra and I was like, Jesus, am I gonna be on a plantation for the rest of my life? And then an epiphany happened because it's gonna be a season two. The way they ended it, I know how the story ends because I finished the book. You know, sure. Um, but it it keeps raising this question of freedom, like. Mm. What does freedom look like for us? Do we even know what it means? Is it comfort? You know, because freedom is tough. Like to your point, like I've been, I've been mighty low. I've been mighty low and nobody was there because nobody checks right. on you. <laughs> nobody, I promise you. And you just like, oh, but here's what I also know at the worst, it's going to rain on you. The worst rain we ever had was 40 days and 40 nights. We can survive mm. that. You know what I'm mm. saying? The worst, right. the worst you can get is 40 days and 40 nights. According to the Bible, that's the horrible, most horrible rain. But we mostly don't like to sit in discomfort. I ain't trying to look for discomfort. Let me just say that out my mouth, which is why I never pray right. for patience. I never pray for patience ever. I ain't even trying to have it because then the world's going to give you everything that's going to test it. Right. Ha- nope. I'm good with my lack of patience. That said, you also don't know your capacity until you sit in it for a minute right sit in that thing right. whatever that thing is because it's gonna rain on every you're gonna be in a valley can you sit through it get through it to the other side i think about how many mm. times harriet tubman went back to get people including her own mm. family and it was too hard like her own brothers were like oh oh we gotta go through the swamp oh right. it's cold at least massa give us vittles we gotta we gotta look for our own food at least it's mm. warm we can set a fire i can't believe i'm out here and p- people went back to to slavery but we right. say this like some of y'all ain't enslaved right now we say mm. that as if some of y'all ain't enslaved to your debt to your spouse to your job to your children and Michelle Obama will tell you these children are terrorists. She said that. We're going to talk about that. <laughs> but some of us are in debt, in bondage, in bondage right now, and it's comfortable. Right. <laughs> so, so we sit in it, being right. boiled one degree at a time, sitting in that situation because freedom is tough. But once you give can free, we, can, go, go ahead. Can I can I ask you about Kindred for a second? Because I haven't read the book, and I'll be honest with you, I just started it. Right. So when I tell you I just started it, I'm in like episode one, living the Dana story. She meets the dude like and I haven't got through yet, so I don't exactly know what's going to happen. But I have a little bit of an idea of I think of what the overall theme is. What would you say that for those who haven't seen it yet or don't exactly have a reference for it? What would you say is the overall tone of Kindred? All right. So so Octavia Butler uh, tells a story of a woman, young woman, and, and they modernized it. So whoever picked up the writing pen, I'm, I'm giving them a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of applause because I feel like yeah. they made it. They they did not dishonor Octavia Butler. But the story is about a girl who supernaturally gets pulled back into 18, 1812, I think it is, 1812. Mm-hmm. And when she gets pulled back the first time, she's there to rescue a little baby. Yeah, I saw that. Okay, all right. So we don't know yet, but in the book, she keeps going back. She keeps going back, Tyler. And you're like, mm. okay. And you find out midway that this child is her ancestor. Sure. This white child on this plantation is grows up to be a man 
who is the owner of one of, you know, who obviously has a relation similar to the right. Thomas Jefferson with a black person who's in bondage. And she wouldn't be here if not for that union. So, mm. you know, initially I'm like, F them, go back. Next time you get pulled back in, set the whole plantation on fire, get everybody to freedom, slit everybody, you know, do what you got to do. You know what I'm saying? Right, Everybody's right, right. out and then go to the next plantation, the next plantation and just free everybody. And then, but if she did that, if she like did something or did not um, help this master, she sure. wouldn't exist. Mm. So I'm going to tell you, uh, Octavia's book would be one page long because Karen Hunter would be like, mm, oh, I could not exist. I'm okay. <laughs> it, you know, I'm, I'm, if I'm here, everybody's going to be free. And then I just won't right. exist in the future. And oh, well, you know, because these motherfuckers going down. But, right. but she's telling a larger story. So I think the larger story is we all have these, I, I feel like we all have these uh, slave um, fantasies, black mm. people. Like if I were mm-hmm. in that ship, it, if I were in that boat, it wouldn't have gone down like that. If, I, if sure. they came to my village, I would, I would have, uh, you know, I would have got it. And if I ended up in, I would have been that Turner or something, you know, no, you wouldn't have, you would have been doing mm. what millions and millions and millions of your ancestors did for 400 years, 300 plus years. You would have picked that cotton, picked that tobacco, right. dried it, right. did whatever, Got raped, man. Or what? You'd have you'd have been at the you'd have been at the mercy of a system that was designed to put you at the mercy. Period. And this wow. is what I think we end up seeing is that people figure out how to be comfortable in this situation, right? Even if it's not free. Yeah, I think that's an interesting question, even to to y'all listening right now. Like, what do you think you would do? I heard a really um, interesting statistic recently where if you asked men if a plane crash were to happen do you think you would survive like 98 percent of men are like yeah i'd survive a plane crash like men are like yeah i I would do everything i can right and that's statistically that's just not how it would work and women feel differently about it right and i i do think that there's something about us as black folks that feel like if we were in a slave scenario that we would you know, be that guy who'd be like, I'm taking you out, massa, you know? Um, but, you know, we live in a time period now where Hello. we aren't fighting Hello. things that are right in front of us. This is what I want to say. <laughs> and this, I think, is the mess. Octavia Butler, genius, brilliant, her mind, her imagination, incredible, that people right now listening to my voice are in bondage. Mm. And you're not doing anything about it. Mm. And we probably, you know, let me tell you, we're in a time that is, you know, we have more access to more things and more opportunities than any time in modern history in the last 500 years to do things. Yet we aren't doing the things that Robert Church did. We aren't doing things that, I mean, I'm, I can go down the list of Annie Malone and other folk, right. uh, the doctors and all, all of the, you know, wonderful people that did things in bondage when everybody mm. else was in bondage or in Jim Crow. You know, we aren't even doing those things. We bitch and complain and we are still with the mentality. So what I was, I was asking this question, cause I keep asking, I keep coming back to this question and we're here. Tyler Merritt is here. Yeah. We're going to talk about Trump's raggedy ass and a bunch of other stuff. But I was like, how could a system mm. 
that required the cooperation of warring factions, Portugal, Spain, Great Britain, you know, France, people that didn't like each other, fighting each other Mm -hmm. for hundreds of years. How did they come up with a system so masterfully that gave us banking? I'm reading a book about the Brown Brothers, and um, first pages I'm learning both Brown Brothers weren't horrible. One of them actually (laughs) didn't want this bondage thing. I was like, oh, we thought both of them were conspired. No. So there's like, how did they come together to develop a system that gave us insurance, banking, capitalism, like in its modern form, all on the backs of Africa, Africans understood that, how was that able to happen? And I come back to, hmm, a couple of things, the lack of unity, right? Mm -hmm. The lack of community, the fact that Mm -hmm. people could live next door to each other because there were no borders back then. Ain't nobody have a Benin and a Togo and a Senegal and a Ghana and a Ivory Coast and a Nigeria. None of those things existed. It was just one landmass, but there were so many enemies among this huge continent of billions, billions of people. Right. I'm going to say it, that they didn't see each other as one. So, what what the warring factions figured out is we can be one. Let's call it whiteness. <laughs> Come on, y'all, stop. You know, because we they got gold in them their hills. Right. And Samosa just went across and destabilized gold. Wait a minute, Portugal. Wait a minute. Did he just destabilize the entire gold market? One man. What's right. in Mali? <laughs> mm. Let's go explore. Mm-hmm. And let's see. Oh, these people, they don't like the people next door. They don't like their neighbor. They don't like, oh, okay, let's get them a little something. Here's some guns. Here's some, here's some something that you, you ain't never seen before that you don't need. Here's right. something useless. Give me, bring right. me some of the people that you're fighting with. <laughs> and then Spain was like, word, okay, we're going to go explore. <laughs> Columbus, mm. Mm. go over here. Oh, bring us back some people, Taino, right. Indians, native, indigenous people. And then it was off to the right. And then France was like, word? Oh, okay, wait a minute. <laughs> Hold my beer. And it right. was off to the races. We, shh, we're all white. Okay. And don't tell them that they're all black because we're going right. to put them in a category. But don't tell them because they giving us right. people. Man, this is juicy. So number one, that. But once they got us in bondage, with a couple of exceptions, because they figured some things out, Haiti really shook the world. Like, oh, sure. too many Negroes on one place. They could communicate. No mm-hmm. drums, no more drums, no more com- no more communication. We're not going to have 300 people to one or two of us. Nope, let's break them up. So America, it was an average of 10. People don't even realize what these large plantations, the average per person was like nine or 10 per plantation with several mm. overseers. And, and then you indoctrinate like they did in Africa the black folk to oversee the other black right. folk. How beautiful right. is that? And we're off to the races. So if we can get, so I, I came to the conclusion today after I finished Kindred that most of us are descendants of people that laid down, mm. that accepted their condition of bondage, that didn't fight mm. back, that were okay. Mm. Cause I just got to preserve my babies. I just got to, we are the descendants of that. Most of us, Right. Are not the descendants of people that jumped from the ship. We are not because they didn't survive. We are not. We survived. And I'm grateful for the survival. I'm grateful. Right. But there's a mentality that's required of you accepting a condition of bondage for 300 plus years. There's something to be said for that. 
and that's in our DNA. And what do we do about that? Like that's mm. right. It are couldn't still, work with a, we, a, a plantation full of Harriet Tubman's wasn't going to work. I promise you slavery would have lasted maybe a couple of months. Right. <laughs> that's it. No. And, and then we are still left eating chitlins. Come on. You know, and, and because we have become comfortable in the place that um, we are and we, we aren't able to see what excelling looks like. And, 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 and I will say this, though, I, I, I would say we are living in a time period where many, many, many Black folks have, have risen above, have fought in different, who have, who have taken on different places, who have, who have gone into politics. We look at the John Lewis's of the world, right? Um, who have a tied in history of fighting and fighting and fighting. And we do have those modern individuals. Uh, hold on. Mm. You got your head bashed in bloody. While one could argue that that was a non nonviolent resistance. And that in its, of itself is an act of defiance. That's not fighting. But no, uh, listen, I'm going to push back on that. You want to know why? The Come difference on. between someone who's getting their head beat, beat in and, and is laying down and John Lewis is he did not stop. He didn't stop. That wasn't the end of his story. On some levels, that was the beginning. I'm going to ask you this then. We're going to have mm. a conversation today, Tom. Let's go. Thinking let, deeply let, about this, is why this topic. This and here's, this is why I think deeply about this topic. Because I mm-hmm. feel like we're at the precipice of actually cracking something open if we get this one sure. thing or else we're going to go right back. We, we've had mm-hmm. shades of it. You know, 1920s, was shades, I promise you. 19-teens and right after Reconstruction. Shades of it, shades of it. 80s, actually. Opportunity. Here comes crack, right? You, every time there's something, George Floyd, opportunities, and right. me in the streets, da, 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 and it's right back. In 2024, <sighs> is this political system <laughs> a tool for freedom or a mechanism to keep the status quo? Mm. Mm. I, okay. People can't see you taking a sip right now, but you really did take a sip. Like, like you just shut it down with that question. I ain't shut um, it down. Ask the question. I'm just asking I, I, a question. I, Cause you telling me this man went into politics. God bless him. What changed? What changed in his district? Is his district a glowing example of, I asked that about all of the people who y'all love, you know, the Maxine Waters. Well, what does her district I, look what? like? Gonna, I know I'm what Charlie Wrangell's district looked like. What? What? I'm going to say, I'm going to say this straight out specifically with John Lewis. I, I want me, Tyler Merrick, and I'll tell you after, you know, you know my story. I got cancer two years ago. It was right around this time. In fact, two years ago, almost the date I had surgery. I remember going dark and thinking, if I don't wake up out of this, what will, what will be left over of me? What will people have said that I had done? And when I began asking that question, I, I found myself going, who am I looking at as people that I would want to mirror, right? And I'm going to say this, and I will take this, I, I will fight this. This is something I will, a hill I'll die on, that if anything, John Lewis is a, um, a picture of, of what I would like to be in the future. I would like to be known as someone who took um, some of the worst of life 
and was able to turn that into lessons and into movements and into conversation and be able to motivate. His words motivated people like me. I remember the first time I met him and my story there was really casual because my mom, because you read about my mom, she's low key gangster. And I went home to Las Vegas and she was like, yeah, I'm going to this thing where John Lewis is at. And I was like, oh, can I go? She was like, man, I met him a couple times now. I'm a mom, it's John Lewis. She's like, whatever, right? Because she's low key like that. But I went and I, and I took a picture with him. I have him, I'll send it to you. And I'm sitting here feeling like I'm sitting next, to, standing next to a superhero. But listen, I'm aware of the fact that he didn't change the whole world. But to me, he gave me the strength to believe that I could be more. Mm. And I think as we look back historically, if, if Harriet Tubman is anything, she's a conversation we're having about what we can be. And I think that matters. Yes, for the individual inspiration. But individuals never beat institutions. And you, what I'm, you are not what I'm talking about is where's our you know, we can point to individuals that are inspiring. We can sit here all day and do that. Where's the system that will eradicate the condition, the constant turn of oppression and degradation and, you know, give you a little peek, let you in, and then sure, boom, here sure. we come again. Where's the system, right? I, and I, this would is say, I would say this. I would say certain individuals can, can, can begin a movement I'm going to use a small example. I'm going to use a really okay. small example um, because I think it is fair to say in the big, huge, wide picture how far have we come and asking lots of questions. But I'm going to use this as a singular thing. Um, individuals who sat at bar schools um, uh, during the civil rights movement yes. and fought to be able to sit in a restaurant and to be able... There are kids now who never have a picture in their mind what that was ever like. They that was a system, never... though, Tyler Merritt. That was a system created by the Urban Urban League that trained people how to go down from the Freedom Rise to those lunch counter uh, demonstrations, and they had they knew what they were going to do. After you four get your heads bashed in, here comes another four. After you four, here comes another four. And they had a system in place. I can't name you the people that got beat up at lunch counters, but I absolutely guarantee that those people can name the individuals that put their butts in the seat. Absolutely. Absolutely. What I'm and, saying and think, is again, let me just, as, yeah, I just want to be clear. Cause we're, we're going to go to a break yeah. and I'm going to put the question out. I am not denigrating anyone that survived the middle, middle passage or survived mm -hmm. three, 400 years of enslavement bondage and all of that. I'm not denigrating. I'm asking a question sure. about forward. Right. And, yeah. and yes, there's something to be said for survival that's in us. System building is there too, but we don't lean. We we let to me we let too much yeast into into the into the batter. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm. We let too many mm. outside things that will not, not. Maybe yeast is not even a good example, other than it, it it ends up taking over the whole damn thing. Sure, we let too much poison in. How about that? You know, right. to be really clear, and we're not absolute about what the system is it for ourselves. Like to build a system for your own survival, not even survival, your freedom. What's your freedom right. system? Have you built it? Do you know what it looks like? You know, I'm walking this morning and I'm like, okay, I know what I want to do this year in terms of my physical. And I had a number, I'm listening to this book and it, the person reading the book, cause it's audio 
said the exact number that I said in my own spirit. And I was like, confirmation. Okay. I know what I need to do now. So, but I'm saying even that now, so I had to come back and jot down. How do I get there? Do you know, that's what system is, right? How, Mm -hmm. how do Mm -hmm. I, this is what, this is the goal. How do I get there? What are the steps? And is it duplicatable? Can I now share it with people? And that's where I am, right? Can I share this system so that other people can benefit from it? That's where I want us to, you know, not that John Lewis. John Lewis is a great man. Yes, he's a great human Yeah, of course. Human being. I don't think anybody's questioning that, but I think you're asking a very fair question of where are the systems in place outside of the individuals, right? And, and that's where I say I do think that there are some systems that have been built because we are, we are able to identify that change. But I do think we have a long, long way to go. I agree. But it, it's got to start here. And the person in Nubia who said maybe we should give Kanye another look, Kanye doesn't do any reading, any research, any deep thinking. He utters out of the out of the resources, recesses of his of his dingleberries. And to even bring him into this conversation is a low vibration. Right. Because this yeah. is something that Very. has been deeply thought about. Right. And and this is not about denigrating any of our ancestors because we all carry the DNA. My question to you is, again, where are our systems? Because this thing that happened happened because they put together a system and they created this this thing called whiteness. But it was not as bigger than that because it contracts mm-hmm. and expands like they thought about this. They had a hundred year plan. Do you have a hundred year plan that requires you knowing I ain't going to be here in a hundred years, but damn it. The things that I'm doing today will have an impact a hundred years from now. We need to start thinking like that because that's how systems evolve. Right. So let's, and I I know we got to go. I know we got to go, but I'm going to say this right quick. I think it's fair to say to anybody, do not bring into the conversation someone who admittedly says, I don't read books. Let's just start there. (laughs) Not even in jest. Because that's bringing poison into this this good this good thing that we're making right now. Eight six six. Right. Let's not don't be the poison bearer. <laughs> don't be the one to bring poison to the to the party. Mm-hmm. Don't do that. Eight six six eight zero one eight two five five is the number. Tyler Merritt is here today. Is the first day of Hanukkah. Systems systems. It is the day of lights. The eight days and eight nights starting. Um, uh, when is it now? Starts now. Ends right before uh, Kwanzaa. So it ends on on when Kwanzaa begins. I think that's a perfect baton handoff. So uh, shout out to the Kwanzaa folk. I mean, to the Hanukkah folk. And it didn't start until 1970s when it became a movement. Again, you can bring back traditions at any Mm -hmm. point in time. Hanukkah was not widely celebrated until the 1970s. It was a movement by the Chabad Hasidim who decided to make this public menorah lighting. And then it spread all across the globe. Doesn't take much. Tyler Merritt is here. Uh, he is a warrior. And um, I think we, we talk a good game. I need us to do a good game. I need us to play a good game. I need us to. Are you a game player in your family? Did y'all grow up playing games? You know what? I, I, I'm not a game player in general. I think we talked about this because I, I have addictive behaviors. Oh, right, so, right, 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 right. Right. So right. I, you know, if it's like a group game, maybe I'll like dive in, but. So you ain't my, grow my Monopoly? Dad, no, my dad's, my dad's an old school dominoes player, right? Okay. So he's one of those that will have all of his friends around the table, you know, slapping him down and whatnot. But I typically like stay off that because I'd be there all night with my okay. addictive baby. Me, me too. I actually had to say, but I feel like it's, it's harmless. Maybe, maybe it's not. I don't know. I'm, 
I hate to lose. That's my other thing. Like, and I, I'm not a good loser. I'm a sore loser. I'm a horrible. <laughs> and I'm like, listen, I'm not used to doing it, so I'm not going to do it well. It's going to be us. I would love to see it. I would oh, love to no, see you it. wouldn't. Did you watch? Let me just say this. Um, shout out to Argent- Argentina, who won football, won the World Cup, beat France uh, four to two. It was a three three tie, and they beat France with penalty kicks. Uh, it was a deadlock, which is amazing. I was rooting for France because France has the most Africans of any team. They had like 18, 15 of the 23 <laughs> players are from Africa, including their star, Killian um, Mbappe, who uh, won the golden boot. Uh, his father's from the Cameroon. There's like eight folk from the Cameroon and Ghana and all of these you know, African nations. So I was rooting for the African team, France. Uh, but you know, Argentina won. So congrats to them. Man, I did not feel like I was going to get, um, have, have the convicting power of the Holy Karen tonight. Like I really was feeling nice about the fact that I supported Messi, but now I feel like I left out all my Africans now, but I'm, you know, I'm, you I'm, know. I, right. Like, I'm listening to you going, darn, I was rooting for the wrong team. Damn it. Um, I'm a fan of greatness, right? Like, and and let me be clear. Of course, there's so much greatness on France. Don't get me wrong. But I'm that dude that like was rooting for Messi because I want history to look back on, on, on his greatness in a certain way. The same way how I'm wanting to cheer for Michael Jordan. I'm wanting to cheer for, um, I know you don't like talking NFL, but I'm wanting to cheer, cheer for Tom Brady. Like, I love being in a decade or living in a time where we, there are certain individuals we can go, they were great. Like I miss the Muhammad Ali era. I wish I would have lived in that, that greatness, you know? So that's, that's kind of where I tend to lean. And my, my friends hate me for it. Cause I'm just like, listen, no indictment, like what you like, do what you do. But when the clarion call goes up, the bat signal goes up, motherfuckers, y'all better know what, time it is you know and right. let's go like enjoy your football now you non-reading ass people anyway sorry i just i just violated what you know it's, it's hard to not judge when you know when you when you know better some of y'all know better and still don't do better i don't understand but that's i'm gonna move on i'm gonna move on i know messy congratulations i wasn't invested in this thing at all uh even though it is the largest uh sport sporting event and people across the globe they love it more than any other sport i'm not mad at that i was tuning into the celebration bowl this weekend one of the most mm. exciting. Did you watch this? Jackson State versus North Carolina Central. It was supposed yeah. to be Deion Sanders, Swan Song. After Strong he already, moment, right? Oh, my goodness. And Roger Goodell was there. Did you know that? Roger Goodell mm-hmm. was there because uh, his nephew plays for Jackson State. Did you know that Roger Goodell has a black nephew that was on Jackson State? I didn't know that until Saturday. That doesn't surprise me. I've seen Kindred. What? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Yes, Roger Goodell's little nephew, Charlie, was there. He's a de- defensive lineman. So I got, I got a text from somebody who was at the event. And, you know, we've been talking about Deion Sanders and for ad nauseum. And the conversations that I'm having about Deion Sanders have absolutely nothing to do with Deion Sanders. It's everything sure. about what I'm talking about right here, which is system right. building. So um, before I get into something I want to, you know, uh, read – um, and I do want to talk about, let me, let me play Aubrey Miller Jr. He's a linebacker, linebacker for Jackson state 
this is clip number three. Play that. You recruits and all you players, come home. You know, if we can do it, y'all can do it. Come on home. Let's represent well. HBCUs need to keep going up. Whether you like it or not, whether they like it or not, we need to keep rising with this. We need to keep going with this. The money needs to come back home. Your talent needs to come back home. You need to play for your people. You need to represent our people. I mean, like I said, if we do it, you can do it. That's all I want to say. Thank y'all. Thank you, mm. Aubrey. Aubrey Miller, appreciate you. He was saying something, something I've been saying for the last five years. Like, what would it look like if, you know, Bron Bron and Carmelo's son and everybody decided to wait the Michigan Fab Five, they all decide to go to Howard or to Morehouse. You think Howard or Morehouse ain't going to be in the NCAA Final Four or the Finals? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Like, there's a choice. Y'all made Michigan – a household name, the Fab Five. But what if five freshmen, all of these great players, for one season came to an HBC, all the money, all the TV money, all of and all of that, all the NIL money, all of that would come with them. It ain't, you know, yes, the facilities are not as nice or whatever, but they don't get nice overnight. This is system building. Let's go. Right. And let's do right. this every year. The top five players go. Y'all can transfer later if you want to. But damn it, let's come on. Like, thank you, Aubrey. Thank you. So watching the Celebration Bowl, which was an amazing freaking game. Can I tell you how exciting it was? What, yeah. Uh, Shadur, whatever his name is, the, the quarterback, Deion Sanders' son, tied the game, taking it into overtime with a play to Hunter. Got my mm-hmm. last name. I was like, oh, shoot. Deion going to go out with, you know, with a textbook, beautiful thing. And then, child, let me tell you, uh, in overtime with a chance to win it, they throw it to the white boy on the black team, and he drops it. He's, I, well, I was wondering if you were going to bring it up like that. Man. <laughs> how, would, how else can you bring it up? Poetic. Poetic. You throw the ball to the white boy on the black Jackson State team, and he drops the ball. Now, let me just say, it's not his fault. It's not his fault. He's inconsolable. I need him to relieve right. himself because you fighting right. against 400 years of ancestors, people that, right. you know, want, weren't having it. You understand? Like Deion Sanders, this is why I know his karma may not be correct. I feel like karma karma played a role. She was in mm. she was on the field, boy. She was like, nah, you ain't going out the way you think you're going out, bruh. Uh-uh. Wow. Not on my watch. Uh-uh. 